So when it comes to Generation Z, we have a few options. One, we can just cater to this new generation. And by cater, I mean kind of give in to their demands. We can give them privileges without real responsibility. Uh, we can give them opportunities, but don't hold them accountable. We, and we can accept the attitude of entitlement uh, that is so prevalent and, and not make them earn things. Another option would be to charge ahead and not recognize or adapt to those differences, challenges, um, and even unique strengths of Generation Z. We just do things the way we've been doing them. Now, a third option is that we're intentional in our leadership. We find ways to work with this new generation, to meet them where they're at, and to help them work through their unique challenges while nurturing their unique gifts and perspectives. And that's what Dr. Tim Elmore shared with us in the last episode. So if you haven't checked it out, be sure to do that. Today, we're going to talk with him about how do we influence their influencers. Primarily, that's their parents, their families. But also, we're going to talk about how we not only work with Generation Z coaches in the workplace, but how do we leverage their strengths? Because they can be some of the best people on our staff to connect and reach Gen Z athletes. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm your host, JP Nurbin, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Nate Sanderson. The mission of this podcast is to help you become a better leader and build a better culture. In addition to this podcast, I'm the founder of TOC, which provides one-on-one coaching and consulting for leaders. Learn more about us at tocculture.com. This episode is brought to you by the TOC newsletter. Every Thursday, our newsletter includes two things you don't want to miss out on. Firstly, the notes to that week's podcast episode. Whether you're listening while driving the car, out for a run, or doing the dishes, we don't want you to miss the biggest takeaways from each episode. Secondly, each newsletter is a short article from myself or Nate on leadership and culture. These articles are designed to inspire, encourage, and provide practical insights into leadership and culture building. Our content is a perfect fit for anyone who wants to stay up to date with the latest trends and insights in culture building. You can subscribe to the newsletter at tocculture.com or by clicking on the link in the details of each episode. So when we look at these issues of entitlements and accountability, you've got some great suggestions. And my next question is, parents are oftentimes the ones that help feed this entitlement and they protect them from accountability. When I read Generation Z Unfiltered, which is probably the third or fourth book I've read of yours, but I read that I felt so inspired as a parent you know, right. I have to be better, you know, like I really have to be better at that before I even think about getting better as a coach. Like my, my biggest job is at home, but for us coaches, when we're in that role, how do we handle that relationship? Because when we try to hold them accountable and sit them out or do certain yeah. things, even in the right way, sometimes they can come and say, Oh, what are you doing oh, here? This yeah. is too severe. Or if we're trying to make them earn something, they're like, oh, that's too much. You know, they don't have time to be selling raffle tickets or washing cars. You know, there's so much of that. So how do you suggest coaches work the, and navigate this uh, parent relationship? <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. I just spoke at a big high school to the faculty and coaches and staff. And every one of them, coaches and faculty said, our number one problem is not the kids. It's, it's, it's the parents. Mm-hmm. So a um, couple of thoughts that may just be common sense and not rocket science, but please forgive this. Uh, number one, we need to start with parents and begin with belief. In other words, let's, 
build a relationship from the beginning before anything's happened at the beginning of the season, begin with belief and build allies instead of adversaries. I'm on your side, mom and dad. I'm on your side. Please be on my side. And let's make sure at the end of the season, you have a better son or a better daughter. I mean, give cast vision for the big picture. Yeah, we want to win. But you know what we really want to do is build great people. And sport helps us build great people. So um, that would be number one. Start at the beginning. Have a meeting with moms and dads. I, I, I think probably many parents or excuse me, coaches do this. But I want to underscore that meeting may be the most important meeting you have all year. And, and maybe you even... Um, have a little agreement. Many of you do this, but you have a little agreement where you say, let's work together. Here's, here's some uh, you know, principles that we're going to live by. Sign this agreement. And then with a mom and dad, you can go back and say, remember, we talked about this. I really love your son. I really love your daughter. Not as much as you, but almost. We've got to do this together now. Because you're right. Their parent, that parent is often living out their unlived life through their child. They wish they could have been a third baseman or a, a strong forward on that team, and they're not. So, good God, I'm going to live out this life. You know what I'm saying. So we've got to somehow address the, sometimes even the baggage that that parent has and ask questions. So a lot of times I encourage faculty and coaches to ask a question. What do you want most for your son or daughter? Usually they say something good. They might say something stupid as well, but, you know, I want them to be, you know, better people. Okay. Let's let's stop there. How do we build better people? Well, probably not, you know, arguing on their behalf, probably not preparing the path for the child, but instead preparing the child for the path. You follow mm-hmm. me? We are so bad at paving the way for that kid because we love them. I think it's better love, long-term love, to say, I'm gonna help you get ready for this hard path because you'll thank me when you're 30 years old and you're done with school and you're in your job. And you're thanking the coach or the mom and dad for what they did to help you get ready for any path that they're on. So that would be a, a, another big one. Um, coaches, just know that I don't see an end yet in sight for parents being a problem because we have just we have just changed the report card for mom and dad. We have not only a new generation of kids on our hands today, we have a whole new generation of parents. And uh, it's 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 not pretty, but but let's begin with belief. I'll, I'll stop there now. I'll, 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 we just need to begin with belief, believe in the very best about them and building from there. Yeah. yeah. And I think when we do that, so many of the principles you just talked about with Generation Z will apply, building relationships with them as a partner. Yes. You yes. talk about those relationships. I've been taking so many notes of the stuff you've been sharing there. And, and one of the things you mentioned around accountability that was interesting was asking for permission. I think that's so important. You know, yeah. Hey, I want to hold you accountable this year, and this is how I want to do it in this way to reinforce that practice is a privilege and opportunity yes. to get better is what we teach our coaches. But I wonder, and I just wrote this down, like asking the parents for permission to hold their son or daughter accountable, Ooh. asking that. And then also, you know, when it comes to maybe things that we do differently than the coach down the road to battle entitlement, explaining why we're doing that at that meeting, I think would be so important because Generation Z, we know they they need to know why, right? This is yes. this is big. I think so millennials true. needed to know why as well, too, pretty a lot. So I think just taking the time to explain the why, uh, you know, is just something that just kind of came up there. But I loved your last piece there of to referencing that conversation. Like you said, yes. this may be the most important conversation. And I was thinking, really? 
because there's going to be really difficult ones, but I loved how you came back to it and said, Hey, there's going to be a moment in the season where they go back to the crazy sports mom or dad, and you can reference that conversation. I think that's such a great point. It is. And if it doesn't make sense in the moment, it will make sense. They will remember. Yeah. So uh, one of the um, lists that I put in my book, 12 Huge Mistakes Parents Can Avoid, which came out before Gen Z Unfiltered, is don't think control, think connect. Don't think what, think why. So there, there's that point you just brought up. Um, I think this whole generation, parents and kids, want to hear why. So when we, here's a good example. Let's say we're at the start of a season and we got some good thoughts in our mind as a coach on where we need to go this season based on the talent we got in that huddle or whatever. I think if I start with a problem, not a game plan. So we say, uh, oh, here's, here's one of the challenges we, we're going to have this year. We're going to play this team, this team, this team. And here's what we know about them. Boy, that's going to be a challenge. What do you think we ought to do? If you start with a problem, I just believe that student athletes learn on a need-to-know basis. And so we're creating the need-to-know. Once they think about the problem, they're going to go, oh, oh my gosh, yeah, we're going to need to come up with a plan. So you know who did this really well back in the day was Mac Brown when he coached the Texas Longhorn football team. He's now in the, in the uh, SEC now, but, but uh, I'm telling you, we started working with Texas Longhorn football way back in 2007. He was there, and they were having some trouble that football season. And uh, I started saying, start with a problem. Start with a problem that needs to be solved and ask your players, what do you think we ought to do? What do you think we ought to do? He started letting his team captains run football practice. We're about to play Texas Tech. What do you think we need to do? What do you know about them? And even though it was a little messy at first, because these were young guys, he said, I never saw their will to get into that end zone so strong as when they came up with a way, they came up with a way to get into that end zone. You follow me on that? So I just want to encourage coaches, it's a little bit longer to start with why, but boy, when you start with a problem, I, I just, here, here's another phrase I want you to capture, listeners. Kids learn just in time, not just in case. And yet most of what they've learned is just in case. Think about math class. Just in case you need just algebra equation here, I'm going to teach you an algebra equation. And they're going, I will never use this the rest of my life. That's what we thought, isn't it? Come on. Yeah. So. So, but if we start with, here's a problem that, that we got to solve in the world today, and they start getting intrigued by it, then you go, oh, by the way, this algebra equation is actually going to help us. Now we might have some interest in the equation. Same with coaches. So I, I'm, I'll, I'll get off my soapbox, but we got to change the way we coach to get to the win. I think we do. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good segue into kind of the next question I wanted to ask here. And I want to give you a little background of this too. And you talk about asking permission, both of players and of parents. One of the things that we did here at Mount Vernon, I just finished my second year at my current school. Um, and when I started, we sort of had this, you know, we had our first parent meeting and we're sharing our values and our vision and that sort of thing. But one thing I asked the parents was I asked them for permission to have those hard conversations with the players when they had questions about playing time or their role or how yeah. do they earn more, you know, for example. And the analogy that I use uh, with our parents is that you know, if I was going to say, let's say we're going to work on left-handed layups in practice and dad comes in and says, oh, well, my daughter's not comfortable doing left-handed layups yet. Let me do it for her and she can watch me do it. And we would all laugh and say, well, that's ridiculous. We know she's yeah. not getting better because she's not practicing the skill. Yep. It's the same thing when it comes to her finding, you know, her own voice yes. in those conversations. And we've been 
very fortunate that our parents have honored that. And then the other side of that is we also have to provide some guidance for those players to learn how to have those conversations. So scheduling one-on-ones and coming up, you know, sending them the questions ahead of time of what we're going to talk about and encouraging them that they can ask whatever question and validating those questions, even if they seem silly to us, or we already explained that 10 times, you know, kind of thing. Um, I think that that really has been an effective way for us to go is asking permission for, from the parents for us to help the the players grow into some of the agency and guiding that agency in a positive direction, you know, as you talked about before. Yeah, no, you're spot on. That's It's really long-term thinking, isn't it? If we want a happy student athlete today, well, yeah, give them everything they want, you know. But if we want a ready player down the road a little bit, we go through this messy process. And that's what you're talking about, Nate. And it's a bit of a messy process with parents and with the student athlete. So uh, I love what you just said. I think it's spot on. Yeah. And are there any other ways, you know, when I finished Generation IY, one of the things that I thought was encouraging was when when students and our athletes are growing up today with a greater sense of agency and chasing a greater sense of purpose, to me, that seemed like they're already sort of aligned in the direction that can be productive if we can figure out how to focus it in the right way. How do we as leaders help them to be able to channel that agency into a purpose and help them to walk kind of those paths? Yeah, great question. Um, I feel as though there's a couple of shifts, maybe two or three or four shifts we're going to need to make. At least I had to make them myself. Number one is to remember these, okay? Number one, trust must be earned. Very often we begin a season or a semester where we think, well, they ought to trust me. I'm their leader. I got a badge on. I'm their coach. Yeah, that may be true, but it's not real. (laughs) Trust must be earned. So if I begin my conversation with a student athlete saying, I'm not going to point to my badge for credibility, I'm going to build, I'm earning their trust because uh, the data on Gen Z tells us they are distrustful to almost every American institution right now. Uh, I mean, uh, education, uh, government, uh, religion, unfortunately, uh, you know, just, they're just not trusting the adults. And sometimes you look at some of those adults, you can't blame them. You know, we've been a bunch of idiots, a bunch of knuckleheads sometimes. So keep this in mind, trust must be earned. Number two, I've already alluded to this, but relationship must be established. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 until you've established some sense of relationship. And a good definition for that coach is, let's say you got 15 people on that basketball team. Okay, I'm making this up, but I'm going to build a relationship to where I know something about their life outside of the game, outside of basketball. Uh, And I can refer to that. Maybe I know two or three things. Okay. Number three, ownership must be given. We have been horrible, by and large, at giving ownership to those student athletes. We've got to do this. Um, by the way, one of my favorite cartoons that I saw, it was a comic of one, one of those one-frame comics, you know, where it's just in one picture, you see everything. The coach is talking to his team. He's got his team right there before a Friday night football game, I think. And the coach goes, all right, fellas, this is your game tonight. This is your season to win. This is your championship to win. Now go out and do exactly what I told you to do. I mean, this is exactly how we think, isn't it? We tell them it's theirs, but it's really ours, you know? So we've got to find ways to really pass the baton. Maybe it's your team captains, not everybody. I don't know. But we've got to somehow make them feel like this really is your team. I'm here as a guide, not a god, 
but you've got to own this team. A uh, couple others. Incentive must be cultivated. So we need to remember that as we speak to these student athletes, we are one voice in 10,000 voices that day. The average kid that's on social media, when you couple that with all the other voices coming at them, 10,000 messages a day. So good luck, coach, getting through that filter. So what I would say is build some incentive. Do the why before you get to the what. You know, Do the problem, then the solution. Don't give them the solution first. Our habitude on that one is house on fire. Light the house on fire before you talk about water. If that house is on fire, they're going to want to hear about water, you know, but make sure, metaphorically speaking, not literally, <laughs> you light the house on fire. And then can I give you a last one here, Nate? This may seem funny, but let me defend it after I give it to you. Hope must be offered. One of the areas that Gen Z continues to be surveyed and comes up short on is a sense of hope. They look at the world and it's broken in their eyes. Maybe not in your eyes, but in their eyes. The government doesn't seem to be working. Corporate America seems to be corrupt, seems to be. Uh, education, it's not really relevant to them, you know. So I'm telling you, we've got to be dealers in hope. Napoleon Bonaparte, back in the 1700s, said, leaders are dealers in hope. I love that. So coach, I don't care how bad you think that team is this year, find some sincere statement that you can make that gives them a great sense of let's get everything we got. We have great hope for this season. Just so much great stuff for, for us as coaches. And I kind of want to spend the last part of our conversation talking about another dynamic that many of our listeners have to manage and work through and lead. And that is we have athletic directors that listen to this yep. podcast and yep. we have head coaches that are leading at the college level and even high school level, gen generation Z, you know, coaches, right? So it's, it's in the workplace. And I believe your newest book, a new kind of diversity, making the different generations on your team, a competitive advantage. I believe that's all about that. I apologize. I was able to get that book in before the interview, but can you tell us a little bit about what this book's about, you know, what inspired you to write it. And if I'm right on that, you know, how does that connect to some of the common things and the challenges that you are seeing in the workplace today with Generation Z? Oh, gosh, great question. Thanks. I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. Well, first of all, the, the origin of the book, it is, it is about this generational diversity that we see. Uh, we have found language as a nation uh, for other kinds of diversity, ethnic diversity, gender diversity, income diversity. But we know there are four or five different generations on a campus today, and we don't know how to talk about it except to make fun of one another, right? Oh, those millennials, they're about narcissistic, you know, all those Gen Zers are fragile snowflakes, you know, or here's another one, all those baby boomers are dinosaurs, right? <laughs> so I started noticing in, in, in uh, teams, in fact, I just spoke at the Combine to all the heads of player engagement for all the NFL teams. They feel it on their squad. They got old coaches, young coaches, Gen Z, as well as boomers. I'm telling you, we need to find language to pull out the very best and every one of these generations. And that's what the book is about. Instead of stereotyping each other, what if we found out what Gen Z coaches offer and say, I want to pull that out. They'd be able to help us use that latest app to market our, our brand, our team, you know, whatever. I don't know. But um, reverse mentoring is one of the exercises I give in that book. We need to get the generations together and let both the old and the young become 
a modern elder and a young genius. I want you to hear that again. I think every team has modern elders. Those are the people that, you know, the oldest two generations and young geniuses, the younger two generations. What if we actually said we're allies, not adversaries? No more us and them on our team. It's just us. If we can do this, uh, I'm telling you, we could turn this thing around instead of that, ah, we're just so frustrated with each other. This episode is brought to you by my latest book, The Culture System, A Proven Process for Creating an Extraordinary Team Culture. It's been endorsed by many exceptional leaders and coaches, one of those being 2022 MBA Coach of the Year, Monty Williams, who called it a special book with inspiring stories, applicable strategies, and a proven model for developing team culture. This book is more than just a collection of practical tools for leaders. It teaches a proven framework that some of the world's best organizations and teams use. It's packed with real-life examples and case studies that show you how these ideas can be implemented in any context. Whether you're a coach, manager, or leader, you'll find invaluable insights to help you build the culture you want. Don't miss out on this opportunity to transform your team. Visit MyCultureSystem.com to learn more about the book, or you can get your copy on Amazon or Audible today. And I think one of the things that's challenging and required, you know, with these kind of relationships is intentionality. I mean, I think too often as coaches, I'll throw myself under the bus here. You know, we hope that we have good leadership. We hope that our team gets along. We hope that they respect, but we don't necessarily do the front loading, you know, of the activities or the conversations that need to happen in order for those bonds to be formed. So when you start thinking about these intergenerational relationships, what do you recommend in terms of, okay, that sounds great, Tim, to be intentional about that, but how, how, how do we do that? Yeah. Well, one exercise I talk about um, in the book is ditch the niche. So have you all noticed, we tend to find ourselves hanging out with people that are like us. They think like we do, they talk like we do, they vote like we do, you know, with, at the proverbial water cooler, we're with our own people. I think we need to get out of that niche and say, I'm going to find somebody very much unlike me, different age group, whatever. And yeah, it feels awkward. Yes, it feels like I just landed in China, you know, and I'm talking to a cross-cultural, you know, but boy, is it good for me. It's good for me as an older guy right now. So I meet with Andrew every week uh, on our team. He's 30 years younger than me. I meet with Cam 40 years younger than me. And I'm learning every time. I'm a teacher and a learner, a teacher and a learner. Now, I have to swallow my ego. So in the book, watch this now, I interviewed people from all five adult generations, and I asked them this question. What do you want to receive when you talk to somebody from another generation? How do you want them to approach you? So get this. I talked to all five generations. How do you want another generation to approach you from your generation? Well, you can imagine. I got a ton of different responses, but three items came up in every single generation. All the generations asked for these three things. Number one, would you approach me with humility? Interesting, humility, which screams, I realize I don't know everything. I realize I've got something to learn here, even from a younger whippersnapper, right? Number two is respect. So me from an older generation, I tend to approach young people by saying, you got to earn my respect. You do a couple things and you earn it and you'll got it. No, 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 no. Begin with belief. Like I said earlier, what if I started with respect and they see that 
and they reciprocate it right back. Do I want respect? You bet I do. Well, lead with respect. So humility, respect. The third one I thought was very interesting. Every one of these generations said, would you approach me with curiosity? Isn't that cool? Curiosity. In other words, approach me with, oh my gosh, I can hardly wait to talk to you and I'll probably learn something here. Oh, doesn't that feel good on the other side of that when someone can hardly wait to meet you and they're curious about your life or what you have to say? They, they got their phone out ready to take notes or something. Now I'm exaggerating, but coaches, listen to me. Athletic directors, what if you build a team, a staff, where everybody's approaching everybody, humility, respect, and curiosity? I think it would dramatically change the tenor and tone of our cultures. And there's so much power in the questions that we choose to ask, right, to facilitate yeah. those connections. You know, one thing that we did this uh, last couple of years here is we'll start, I don't know, once or twice a week with a partner walk before we do practice. So coaches and players are all mixed together. We draw cards and then we give them something to talk about. And yeah. one of the things, just shedding light on some of these generational differences, is asking our kids, what's one or two things that you think your parents just don't understand about kids these days, in quotes? Yeah. And then we ask them, you know, what do you, what do kids, kids these days not understand about their parents? Yeah. Yes. And those are really interesting conversations to get them to think outside of their own perspective. And it prompts curiosity, just like you're talking to right there. No doubt. About it. I love that exercise. I'm so glad you do that. One phrase we use to do the very same exercise, tell me what your superpowers are, you know, which is usually something a younger generation has or an older generation has that the other one doesn't know they have. But it's the same principle. And I love that build. Again, it's building bridges rather than walls is what it is. Got one big question left for you today. And that is okay. if you're an athletic director managing and leading a group of coaches or you're a coach and you're leading other coaches, on your staff, what's an activity that you would maybe recommend to help close that generation gap when you've got the millennials and the Gen Xs and the Gen Zs? Like, how, what would be an activity that a coach could do or an athletic director could do with their staff? That is a great question. Um, here's the first thing that just came to my mind. Years and years ago, like maybe 13, 14 years ago, we started working with the University of Alabama Athletic Department. There are stellar young athletes there, as you well know. Um, right to one side of Bryant-Denny Stadium, the big football stadium that holds over 100,000 people, right to one side is a graveyard, an old 19th century graveyard. And we started walking student athletes over to that graveyard, about 50 at a time. And we go, we don't unlock the, the fence. There's a big fence around it. Walk in and get this now. It was an exercise that didn't cost a nickel, but we'd walk inside, we'd stand in a little huddle, and I would say, and now we passed on the exercise to the staff that's there now, but one of us would say, all right, for the next 10 minutes, I want you to pair up with somebody else, but don't talk to them. Not a word spoken over the next 10 minutes. What we want you to do is go around and just read the tombstones, read the epitaphs on those grave sites, you know, read the words, read the dates, read everything, just soak it in. So for 10 minutes, it's utter silence. I almost said dead silent, but I thought that would be a horrible pun right there. But uh, utter silence. When the athletes came back, now get this now, uh, if I was leading the discussion, I would say, all right, talk to me. What'd you read? Well, it's quiet for a minute because everybody's afraid to be the first one to talk. But eventually somebody speaks up and they go, well, we read that some people lived a really long time. Some people really didn't. Some people had really nice things said about them. 
Other people, <laughs> not so much. And then we began to talk about their life. Who do they know that just passed away? And by the way, this becomes very emotional. Some people just lost their grandma or lost their grandpa or whatever. And then we began to talk about their sentence. What's going to be your sentence? You know, when we're all dead and gone years later, we're not going to have a book written about us. At least a few, most of us won't. We get a sentence. What would that sentence be? And by the way, this is not the sentence you say about yourself, like the purpose statement you gave yourself. This is what they say about you by the way they watch you live your life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It is so powerful and, dare I say, emotional because they start to get to the why. And I'm just thinking if you have ADs and coaches or coaches of different ages and they're starting to share their why and they're starting to share what really matters to them. It gets beyond the game. And even though we all still love the game we play, it just gets beyond the game. And it's, it somehow puts us together. And we're humans. So I would recommend find a graveyard. <laughs> it doesn't have to be an old one. And it's free. It's free. And by the way, don't go at night. It's freaky. But go during the daytime. <laughs> and uh, some other SEC teams now are now doing this. And it's just so fun for me to see. These are great conversations to have just to get to know the person that you're really playing next to or coaching next to. Tim, I cannot thank you enough for giving us this time, not just giving time, but your heart and everything to this. It's amazing. Uh, you seem like you still got loads of energy and a lot, few more books in you and more, <laughs> more talks and stuff. And I, my, my only worry after reading Generation Z Unfiltered was the next 20 years is about to be a lot different than the last 20 years. <laughs> How am right. I, you know, he's given me the keys to not screw up my kids if there was 20 years ago. But That's I know right. I'm going to screw them up now because something's changing again too, right? That's right. <laughs> I have the same concerns. Yeah, it ups my prayer life really quickly. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> hey, I'm honored to be on this program with you guys. Thanks for letting me respond to your questions. I'm hoping the very best for the coaches. And yeah, please let them know if we can do anything to serve them, whether it's coaches training or whatever, we're happy to try to, to, try to help with that. Yeah, so... All right, that's it for our interview with Dr. Tim Elmore. What a passionate and incredible human being. He definitely gave us some hope as coaches and for me as a parent, along with some really great tips. And, and one of those tips was that when it comes to parents, we need to begin with belief. We need to build allies instead of adversaries. And we need to ask not just athletes, but the parents. We need to ask for permission to hold their son or daughter accountable and explain how and why we will do that how will we how and why will we hold them accountable in that way especially if you're a transformational coach you're going to be doing it differently than what they've been used to potentially in their own home and how they are disciplined uh, but how they've seen other coaches do that in the past and dr elmore made such an important point that this early amicable conversation with parents this is going to be critical later in the year in the season and we've got to reference it when the parents potentially does start to lose their way or their perspective. I'm excited to check out Dr. Elmore's newest book because I know more and more coaches I support are either Generation Z themselves or they have Gen Z coaches on their staff. And I know that's going to be full of great tools and ideas. That's it for today's episode and our interview with Dr. Tim Elmore. If you enjoyed it, please share it. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. And lastly, be kind and leave us a review when you get the chance.